Welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. I have a lot um, that I want to touch on today. Let's just let's have a little bit of a chat. I'm still um, focusing in on laying the foundation for us about walking in the anointing to demonstrate the supernatural. And the reason why the Holy Spirit spends so much time on foundation, you know, we're, we have, I've got so many building analogies about it. You know, Pam and I can make anything out of nothing. There's not anything in the construction world or in emotional world or relationship world that we cannot help build and restore. But you have to believe that. You know, so like we're building this room, which obviously Pam and I could do, but for to save time and space and energy and all that, you know, we've hired some Mexican angels. And they come, or Lenny's cousins, and um, they come every day and play their really loud music, speaking in other tongues. And they are building right now a foundation to hold the weight of what we want. Because why? Because the original way that the home was built was not for a second story. We have room for it. We didn't have to what we call pop the top. That means take the roof off. We already had room. We had room for a pretty big room, like a 25 by 20 room. And that's nice size in a couple of closets and a laundry facility and a bathroom. I mean, it can be, I want to move up there, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> but I may have to do something about the dog, though. I'll slide her down. That's what we'll do. We'll make a slide. <laughs> Solved. And so, and so the foundation work is extensive and it's long and it doesn't look like anything's happening yet. I mean, I went up there and looked at those rafters and they look the same. They look the same. I had Phil go up there and take a video and he goes, look at what all has been done. I'm like, it looks, I mean, just to the natural eye, it just looks the same. It just looks like a bunch of boards really long running this way. It, do you see what I'm saying? That's what I'm doing right now. You had room for this all along. You had just done something else with your time and your life. And you had discovered it wasn't quite as peaceful as you wanted. Right? And so there's been room all along. So I'm just laying some foundational joists on your life in a, in a, in a place that you have already room to house this. And... The reason why that's joyful is that you don't have to think about, you know, you either pop the top or scrape it. That's the two choices you have in construction. Just scrape the hole, like you just rip it all up and you start from dirt. Or you expand with the proper foundation what you already have. And so we're on B. So that's good, right? Good? I thought that would be encouraging to you. So I've been talking about the testimony of the Trinity. Remember that week that the, that the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit have some amazing things that they want to not only testify about and talk to you about, but they want to display now. 
That's why if you can change your theology, that God's not trying to get you off the circle. God made him a place. Do we agree that God lives in heaven? He's up there, right? He made him a throne in place. This is what I believe. I had to change my theology. That God wants me to make heaven down here. And that I have been selected. You have too. Just I can only speak for me, though, what I believe. I've been selected by God to make heaven on earth. And we make that through one life at a time. Right? One heart at a time. One choice at a time. And so all the other theologies that have to do with just hanging out at the doorway of salvation, never advancing, have to do with getting me off this circle, I hope the rapture, let's look at the east. Just come, come Lord Jesus, come. Whatever theology you grew up in, you maybe grew up in the world's theology, which just says it's all about what you can do, baby. Make sure you get the right education, get the right degree, make sure you marry the right person. But why are we doing that? Because we really don't understand the reason God made humanity. I propose, it's like I said last week, we were talking about the potter and the clay. Just getting our minds, God spends every day trying to get your mind realigned with His purposes. And I like this verse, and can we turn to first? We can turn here, right? First John 2. Uh, we can go to that. Uh, I think I have. Let's just hang out on six right there for a while. What did I say? First John two. First John two. Are you there? Verse. Let's go fourteen, fifteen. Actually, let me pull it up and see if I can join you there. I'm sorry. What did I say? First John two. Ah, it's such a good chapter. Okay, let's go down to 14, okay? I may I may re revamp. Now, let's just do 15 just for this discussion. Uh 1 John 2:15, don't set the affections of your heart on this world. What is the world to you? Think about it. For you personally, what's the world? Now, see, I I live with a different focus than I used to. For instance, let me give you some examples. So back in my 20s, I, I knew I had a call of God in my life, my whole life. And I've always been in some sort of ministry. But how I stewarded the anointing was just different. Because I didn't, I, I didn't realize that how important the anointing was because I didn't really have a model for it. And so therefore, you know, you're focusing on it right now because I'm, I'm hopefully modeling and I'm hopefully uh, identifying it as something that's available to you. You know, just like I said about Pam, whenever in the year, in the year of princess Diana died, um, uh, 
when God said, your hands are dead, we didn't just say, too bad, so sad for you, Pam. <laughs> I mean, like we didn't. There was, a, there was an action that ensued to what? Well, I've got to fix these hands. I mean, some of us are like, okay, I'm disqualified. <laughs> Don't we? I mean, like anyone gives us any correction or shaving, I mean, just think if, if I'm shaving you, you just bumped me. I mean, like it's, it's like a thing you got. And, and so God wants to, that's how we, you know, came up with the, uh, with the dot, dot dash this morning, Morse code was, I was telling Judy something like, you know, Hey, no, what, what happened? That, you know, we were trying to discuss something that she did that I said, don't do it. And it's, you know, it's, it's this big. But it's just a great place because I love to shape her there. I love to find something she did that wasn't exactly what I said so I can say, got it. I love that. I'm looking. Oh, I hope she messes up so I can get it. Now, I don't know how she feels about it. Do you feel the same way? or Okay, that's what I thought. See, do you understand that as he's shaping us, the things we were so protective of, that we were so afraid of, that would mess up our entire world, the things we mess up, it's going to mess. We begin to say, oh, hey, just shape it. I mean, just get it. Just do it. Right? Right? Oh, I don't know if y'all were just doing that to support me or if you really felt like I had a golf clap right there. But some of you, and so this is why. Is because our affections of our heart have been set somewhere else. So that's why he said, don't do that. The world has a way. And I was giving an example, wasn't I? That when I was younger, I would um, record different TV shows that I thought sounded fun to watch. And I've... I've never been a big TV watcher or movie watcher. Um, and so I would um, record something. And then I, as this was, this was the time in my life when God was trying to highlight, you know, our hands are dead and we don't have the anointing like we want. I would, I would watch something and I'd begin to have a feeling, not a good feeling. But if I would just look at that, this happens to everybody whether it be a relationship issue or TV watching or whatever you do with your time. When I begin to look at why was I having that feeling, it's because something, and it could have been who made the show, could have been the author of the book it was taken from. There was a spirit. I began to discern that the reason this show was made was because of an agenda of a spirit behind the person doing it. And sometimes it was harmless, but it was the spirit that everybody in the world carries a spirit, either of God or of the enemy. There's not a middle road. There's no neutral. And so that's why since out of the abundance of my heart, my mouth speaks, then that's why where this, where I sit with my affections the things I love, the things I want, the things I'm whiny about, the things that I desire, where the seat of my affections of my heart sit, that's why it's really important that can't be with the world. Because eventually it'll come out of here 
And there's the danger point because everything I say, I make. I don't care if you think it's a harmless comment. I don't care if you think you're just venting. Sorry, itchy lip. I don't care whatever gets finally released out of here. It's, it's spirit. And it goes out and it creates. Now, I know all of y'all don't believe that. And you probably don't want to check your mouth all the time. But there's a whole process. It first starts in your mind with what you believe in. It attaches to your faith or attaches to your fear. I'm trying to help you right now. Will y'all receive from me right now? It either attaches to your faith or attaches to your fear. It goes into your heart and there's where your affection set. And right there it begins to brood something, either life or death. That's why he said, I set before you today life or death. Hint, choose life. And then eventually it comes out. It's just the process of how we live life. And so today... As I'm talking, I'm saying this is what is important to the Father. He says, don't set the affections of your heart on this world or in loving the things of the world. Now, sorry, I can't get off this. How do you change what you love? So I, I'll just be me and tell you some of my story. Um, I was... And when I was in high school, I think it was, yeah, I, the Holy Spirit began to talk to me about drinking pop. That's what we called it, pop. I, Dr. Pepper, that was my one of choice. And he kept saying, you know, that's not good for you. You need to drink more water. Now, I've always loved water. Um, my parents never drank water. We didn't have water. Do you remember when they first started making bottled water, you know? Was bottled water around for all of y'all? No, it wasn't. Anyway, so in my lifetime, they started making this thing called bottled water. It was so strange. I remember I took my friend. I said, I'm going to stop at 7-Eleven. I'm going to give me a bottle of water. And she said, why in the world would you pay for water? And that was a long time ago. Now we don't think like that. I know you have to be probably over. Was that in your lifetime? No. So how old are you? Yeah, so maybe 35 years. So anyway, doesn't matter. Um. And so I began, I did a test. I tried it a little bit without Dr. Pepper, and I tried it a little bit with Dr. Pepper. Now, see, God didn't come down and throw down a cross or something and say, yeah, you shall not pass. You are never going to be what I called you to be. That's what religion says if you drink Dr. Pepper. No, he was setting before me life and death for the way he made this body of mine. Now, I haven't drank pop since then, since I was 18. And it's not, it didn't make me more holy. It didn't, it didn't make me more anointed. It, it just made me a hearer of what he said would be good for me. Now, see, I've never drank a cup of coffee in my life, so I didn't have to give that up. You know, it's always smelled like cigarette smoke to me, and so then who would want to have that? Um, and so I'm just touching on some stuff that, you know. But see, sometimes the Holy Spirit comes in and says, would you give up 
It would be better for you. Sometimes it's about my physical man. He's saying that'll be, sometimes it is spiritual. But see, how can he come into you and introduce some affections of the world that you don't need and you would listen? What is his goal? Is his goal to restrict, 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 restrict? Yes, cut off everything. Everything's cut off from you. What is his goal? His goal is to make you whole, to enhance you to what? To fulfill the reason he made you. If you're not doing the reason he made you, then something's in the way. So something would have to be moved naturally. Wouldn't it? You know, God doesn't really care where you work. Your God assignment isn't a vocation. But he cares how you do everything you do. You know, I mean, when I met Aaron and Cheryl, Cheryl is very creative. More than you know. And God asked her to lay down her creativity for something that bro didn't even think she was good at. Sometimes when I look back at it and I think, wow, Cheryl was so good with financial stuff, just the way her wisdom rolled. But when I first met them, he was like, well, I take care of <laughs> Man, it's just such a long fall. It's just, it's a golden ticket for me. I just... I don't, you know, I just take care of all the finances because she's just not good at financial stuff. And I remember me and Lynn were sitting there right then. I was like, Mm-mm, no. Mm-mm. You know, how do you tell somebody, you know, that they're an idiot? You know? <laughs> and, and that they are completely blind to their wife. And so what happened was I didn't go to Cheryl and say, Oh man, Aaron doesn't get it. I went to Aaron. I said, buddy, you don't get it. And see, because of the way God makes certain relationships, see, if I bind into a covenant, he establishes something a certain way. And so in that covenant, a man is a protector and a provider and identity. He, He places within and houses within that covenant the ability to breathe on the anointing that someone, and he began, I wasn't sitting at home watching him, but he began to breathe on an anointing that she had. And before you know it, God asked her to lay down this special creativity, which is still residing in her, to position her somewhere where he wanted her to have, I can just see it as clear as day, I just I just got the goose skin from head to toe right now because I know the anointing of Deborah that rests upon her. And he is shifting and shaking and moving things around and positioning her and promoting her and giving her raises and all this. Why? Because somebody partnered with the reality of what someone else was. Now, I promise you, he and I haven't sat down and had this kind of discussion, but I promise you 
that there is something within him that is like, I am so thankful someone told me. I am so proud of my wife. I am so, it's unbelievable I get to even be in relationship with a Deborah, with this person. And that it's that interlocking of breathing on, and I am, I hear her get up here and call him Jesus. <laughs> Living at home with Jesus. She's doing the same thing. She's breathing on something in him to lead men, to lead other men to champion their wife, to treat them like queens, to treat them like God meant for them to treat them, to position their hearts for the very thing God made them for. They don't even have to try. And so that breathing back and forth begins to bring something back to life and it begins to stand up and it begins. And so then when he says, don't set your affections on the things of the world, you're like, well, I wouldn't, why would I? It's so distasteful to me now. I don't want to drink a Dr. Pepper anymore because I don't want to see what it will do. I don't want to see how the effect it will have on me because I already know what he said about it. I don't want to watch that show because I already know what he said about it. Why do I want to just test it again? And see, this is because this is what it says. It says, the love of the Father and the love of the world are incompatible. That should be enough for us. You know what that's saying? It's saying everything that the enemy has to offer, you can't mix it with God. Every place you're trying to mix it with God, it's not God. Remember, he's the potter. We've already established this. We, you all agreed. He's the potter. Why do I question? When I, start, when I stop questioning what the potter wants to do, then he says, those affections you have, they cannot even be in the same room with me. He says, for all that the world can offer, verse 16, can offer us is just gratification of our flesh and the allurement of the things of the world and the obsession with status and importance. There's three things of the flesh that God will put you in tension with to make sure it doesn't pay off anymore. You know, the thing, the thing that we have to understand about worldly things is that it's not paying off anyway. It's delaying something. It's just delaying the inevitable. Our flesh is meant by God to cry out to the living God. So if my flesh is crying out for things that I created to bring me comfort, then my flesh is crying out for comfort or some sort of satisfaction. It's not crying out to the living God. And you have to remember, depending on how many years I've put in with this gratification of what my little fleshly man who didn't know God, tried to get, I have to journey out of that. Yeah. You know, the journey looks like this. I first have to admit yes. it's going on. See, God's not mad about any of this stuff. Right. It's like, why even hide it? I mean, I just say, get it out there. Let's just talk about it. Let's just figure it out. Because 
There's only freedom on the other side. But see, once you begin to look at it, you begin to discover why you did it, why you're doing it. And see, at the end of the day, God just wants us to do the things of God. So, so he wants to illuminate how the world has hoodwinked us. What will be on the end of the fishing hook for you? What does the enemy throw out there that is a lure? That is attractive, it's shiny, it pulls you into whatever, independence, control. I mean, how many words do we have to name? It's just the enemy, because see, he's, he loves to hook something long enough because he likes to disrupt the things. Like, sleep is a really good indicator. So, God made us to have between seven and eight hours of sleep. That's all a body needs. Really, our lives are divided into three quadrants of eight per day. If you wanted me to tell, teach on that sometime, we could. But anyway, sleep is one-third quadrant of your day. If I am excessively under that or excessively over that, I have just stolen from a quadrant that is supposed to do something else in my life. I personally believe eight hours is work and eight hours is relational. Now, if I let work steal from my relational quadrant or my sleep quadrant, you can do that for a long time, we humans, but you will, you will get sick physically. Your relationships will be anemic and not honoring and your spiritual calling will be non-existent. Because God's a God of balance. Remember what I said last week? The very first thing that happens is he balanced out the earth. He made some water, separated from some land, put some dogs in it so that Adam could name the dogs. Otherwise, the dogs would have drowned in all the water. That. That is just a proof. I can give you tons of proof. But that's just proof that God does things in order. So any of those quadrants that are out of wacko, you can do it for a long time. Trust me. I say if you're in a relationship, you can mess it up for around 7 to 10 years, and then that's it. And you spend the next, some people spend the next 10 years figuring out it's messed up. But see, we can do it for a long time is my point. We can do bad for a long time. We can make excuses for it. And we can say, well, they're just, or I'm just, or it's just, or I don't. And as long as I do that, it's a lure for me. It's like at work, oh, you need this money. Ding, ding, ding. Oh, oh, I moved it over here. Ding, ding. You need this money. Ding, ding. It just keeps moving around. Right? Until you're like, oh, before you know it, you've been chasing it from pod to pod, lily pad to lily pad, and you're nothing in all your other quadrants. So then what do you do about sleep? I got to have help. I got to have help to go to sleep because my brain, my body is in a different quadrant. And so I got to get me some help because why? Just get your toes out here so I can step on them. Okay, 
Because why? My quadrants are out of balance. And, and he's trying to say, your affections are just in the wrong place. This is so simple, y'all. God, all, everything God does is really practical. Set your affections on things above. Why? Because God meant for you to co-labor with him to create another place just like heaven on earth. And all the tools and ability that you have are meant to do that on earth. If you use them for self-gratification, it will not last. Obsession with status and importance. Listen, in the Passion, he says it like this. These are three areas of temptation that the serpent used with Adam and Eve. In the garden, he pulled them away from the Lord, and it's what the devil used to tempt Jesus in the wilderness. He's an expert at using the cravings of our life to dilute our love for the Father. Call it what it is. My life's love for the one has been diluted. Just stop mixing and it'll come pure again. It's not hard. Just stop the mixture. You know, all you have to do is step into agreement with your faith and say, wow, "Wow, I've been mixing. If I made you raise your hand right now, a lot of people would raise their hand right now saying, I've been mixing. Mixing never produces purity. He's not mad at you. He, it's an invitation. It's an invitation to be the way he made you. And if you will be the way he made you, he will anoint you. He will promote you. He will supply everything. You will find your identity. You will find the love of your life. You'll be in love. You'll be championing one another. Even when you have disagreements, you'll be like, oh, okay, well, that's okay. We gotta, can't forget we're championing one another. What are we championing? What's going on here? Are you PM? I, oh, no, we can't say that. Okay. No, I don't know. What is it? I mean, just what? Nothing's off limits because why? We've got to come back together. We've got to stay connected. Listen, disconnection is going to happen. I scramble when I'm in disconnection to reconnect. I lay everything down, throw it all down, 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 down to reconnect. I need to reconnect. You know, that's what happened to us on Tuesday was that we have been on the struggle bus with some different things. But see, God on the worship, um, just sound and all kinds of stuff that's going on. But see, God, God's been using that in every area. He's done something different with Calandra and with Keisha, with Shudi and Cece. Did something different with Aaron. So when we got together on Tuesday night, I think I mentioned it yesterday, that Jackie came up here and was praying for us in secret. Why? She's sitting at home, kicked back, and her lazy boy, drinking her Dr. Pepper, watching a bad show. I'm just kidding. And <laughs> just like, I'm just playing. And all of a sudden, bam, the Holy Spirit says, go up there and pray. Doubtful, she's at home, kicked back, watching, you know. I'm, why? She just wanted to come up. She knew we were up here, but she didn't know we were in the green room working through a disconnection. And the first thing I said to them in the green room, thank you, Jackie, for doing that, by the way. Now, don't make a formula out of things. I just had to say that. So the first thing I said to them was, this is a safe place. See, sometimes you just have to tell yourself that. Trust me, I'm a safe person. You don't know me that well, but I'm safe. 
There ain't nothing you can tell me that would shock me. There's nothing you could tell me that make me turn my love off for you. There's nothing you could do, no choice you would make that I would just disown you. It just doesn't, it's not, it's a real thing. It's safety. Safety isn't about you. It's about me. Did I, am I safe or not? Do I know if I'm safe? So I was telling them this is safe. They didn't feel safe because they were disconnected. That's what disconnection does. Are you with me at all? And so I said, say with your mouths, choose with your will right now to say this is safe. That's the beginning of us being able to untangle what was in the way of connection. Connection was wanted. Have you ever just wanted so bad to be understood? Wanted so bad to connect? Wanted so bad you wished if someone was in your body, could describe how you feel, could explain it to the world so everybody would know you? Have you ever just wanted to be known? Anybody ever felt any of that? God put that in you. It, it's common with every human on the planet. I'm pretty sure my dog has it. She wants to be known. It's all the time. And see, we want it, and so God provides it. He doesn't say, let me put in you the desire to be wanted and known. That's in every person. Look at your neighbor right now and say, I just now realize you want to be wanted and known. This is shocking information to me. And see, the way I go about teaching other people to know me, depending on the level of fear I have, they can't know you at all. You know, Cece and I have been having this really cool discussion about her life. <laughs> And that, that's, that injury for most of us happened before six, honestly. I've done so much inner healing. If, if someone will let me go that far with them, there was something that came in from the enemy below the age of seven for sure. And it scarred and it twisted and it hurt and it wounded. And we made an inner vow at that time. And we said, I don't need this, I don't need this, I don't need this. And to survive in the environment that keeps doing that over and over to me, I will put up this wall, I will erect this wall, I will erect this wall, and now let's be in relationship. And you're so far from authentic. And so God begins to... You know, as we go in life, life doesn't work out. You know, life doesn't ha happen like we want. We begin to have pain and we begin to have all these relationships that are crappy. You know, our finances are in the crapper. Everything is just bad, right? And it begins to illuminate our need of Him. But see, the thing that we have to understand what God's doing on the earth right now that's different than previous generations is He's raising up a group of, I'm going to use a King James word, sanctified, that means they've gone through a process, refined, we'll go with refined, refined lovers of people, refined lovers of God and people who say, no matter what, I will help you discover where you lost you. 
I will help you discover why you got all those masks on, why you got all those jackets on. I used to describe her as that every time an injury happened, she would just put on a new jacket. Another injury would happen, another jacket. What was she doing? Protecting herself from the outside world that didn't understand her. And when I met her, she wrote this whole thing about introvert worship, how that she would try to lip sync and make sure no sounds came out of her mouth until one day one little thing squeaked out and she thought, what was that? To real, to go from that to trying to make sure I make no sound in worship to standing up here and being an orator and a songwriter and a psalmist and a writer. She has over 900 writings from God. She's going to read one to us today. And to say that God would use her in that way, no one in her family knew that. No one. No one saw it, knew it. So what did they do? They promoted, go to Texas A&M and get you a degree. So she did. Almost killed her. First major breakdown happened there. On and on and on. The story goes on and on until what happened. When I met her, I prophesied to her how funny she was. I said, God has put this humor, and she is high. I know there's no one funny in the Mihal. That's what I call her. Cece Rodriguez. She's got all the nicknames. <laughs> Because you never know who's going to be out. You never know what girl is going to be out shooting her guns around now because she's funny. And I remember I prophesied to her and I said, there isn't anything wrong with your son. He had been diagnosed with all kinds of stuff. She, he had been on medications. And I tell you, from that day forward, I told her she became a model kingdom mom. She weaned that boy off every medication she got off every medication because what happened her faith aligned and believed me she believed me she didn't have any evidence that i was nothing she didn't know me from nobody but something in her that thing that had all those jackets on that day came alive and someone breathed on it and breathed on it and breathed on until every jacket came off and see the product of being, I mean, it's been a 10-year journey. I mean, Pam and I, we wrangled around for 20 years. It's, it, it's a 10-year journey. Why? It's not an overnight thing. Why? Because I have so many jackets on. Yeah. Right. These jackets were jackets of identity. Jackets that someone said, this is who you are. And you said, okay, I'll just put that on. You go to worldly counseling, they'll give you all kinds of jackets. How many years did you spend in worldly counseling? Yeah, 10 to 12 years paying the lady money every week with no change. Wow. I'm not saying that it didn't get her through some stuff. I'm not. Am I against it? <laughs> <laughs> but God has another way, is my point. I'm not against anything that tries to help us. But if it's not true, biblical, Setting you free in the soul business is a, it's a waste of money, honestly. And see, that's what God's raising up, that he's raising up people that they don't have an affection for the world because they have an affection to be anointed. 
It doesn't mean we're so great. It doesn't mean we understand it. It means that I've turned my awareness and my affection that my hands are dead. I've turned my awareness and my affection. I've got so many jackets on. I am just completely strapped out of movement, of emotion. You know, where we're at right now is like all of our emotion is out. And I'm like, okay, now we need, <laughs> we've got to learn what to do with all that is all out here now. And let's, let's, let's do something with that. We're on that stage. That's a cool stage. I don't think it's always so cool for her because see, she was so restrained that the feeling of these emotions has a feeling and she's a feeler feeler, childlike, all these terms that we're talking about, they have come into an understanding and awareness and a definition in your lifetime. You're just in such a great generation. There's so much that the Holy Spirit is revealing to us. And so I, I did ask Cece to come and read this amazing word over us. But just remember as she's reading it that she's been on this journey. Go ahead. She's been on this journey of God uncovering her. She's not perfect at everything. She's not doing it all exactly right. But in this process of God uncovering her, she reveals these things of the Father that hopefully will give you some freedom as well today. Love you. Thank you, Tisa. So good. Oh man, such a good message. Such a resonating message with what God's doing on the earth right now. It all just makes so much sense to me. So um, this word, I actually wrote it last year in March, and um, I called this, I kind of ended up writing a little story, a little poetic story type thing, and I called it fire by night, uh, cloud by day, fire by night, something like that, wilderness of safety. And it began for me, I have to tell you a little bit of, background, you know, just to set the stage for this word, but it very much connects with the process that Tisa talked about today. So the process she described today about those subtle things, the little things that may seem insignificant, like a TV show or Dr. Pepper, it's on every scale, those things come up, will come up in this renewing of your mind process. And that's really what it is. It's the being transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the interesting thing that I've learned, I'm, you know, I'm a melon, melancholy personality, so I can operate by formulas easily. And my natural way of thinking is for things to be very linear. Like you do step one, then you do step two. You don't go back and forth. You know, you just keep going and then you keep going. Well, I, to my surprise, God does not work that way at all. Okay, so you'll go step one, step two, then you'll go back to one. Then you get to three, and you, you, just, you just keep. And I found that the renewing of your mind process takes place continuously. I bet everybody in here, I mean, I think Tisa and Pam are even would say their minds are still being renewed. It's, it's a nonstop process. And once you get to the point of enjoying it, it's really cool. But there is a process that you go through um, initially that, that is kind of interesting. And that's kind of what I wrote about. But this, that process of renewing your mind is often called um, a wilderness experience in the Bible. And so just to set the stage for that, so you guys know why I'm, why we're talking about this, 
In the Bible, the story of the Israelites, Israelites were God's chosen people. Well, they'd been taken captive and enslaved for, I don't even know how many years, a bunch of years, right? Long, long, long time. So God decides he's going to set them free. So he saves them, symbolic of our salvation by accepting Jesus Christ. He saves them. He does a miracle. He parts the Red Sea. He makes way for them. Then he closes up the Red Sea on top of the enemy that's chasing him, wipes them out all by God, right? That's the picture of what Jesus does for us, not by our own strength at all. He saves us. So then God led them after they got to the other side through the wilderness on the way to their promised land. And so the promised land, he said, I've made a place for you. I have already, I will give you every place your footsteps basically in this land. It's occupied by other people, but I, I, God have already decided I'm going to give that to you. So it's yours. You just have to walk there and I'm going to lead you. And so literally in the wilderness, in the desert, the Israelites traveled in tents and they, they just walked, walked and walked and walked. Well, they didn't know how to get there. So they, God in his great mercy led them. And so he led them by a pillar of fire at night and a cloud by day. And so wherever the fire went, wherever the cloud went, they followed. Well, eventually... I think it's 40-something years later, right, they got to the edge of the promised land. And that process is symbolic of what we go through in the mind renewal process. We walk through the wilderness of what our mindset we've already developed by the time we get here. By the time we're saved and we're rescued from our enslavery, is that a word, enslavery? Um, where By the time we're rescued from that, we've already developed some stuff that is really against God. It doesn't work with God's system. And so he leads us through the wilderness to right up to the promised land. And then he begins to train us to take that land, to take the territory where we will rule and reign. As I said, that's not a linear process that you do one step at a time and eventually you get there and you never have to go back. It's a continual process and it becomes symbolic of these mindsets that we have where we will suddenly stumble across a wilderness mindset. And he will have to renew that by leading us to what it actually means to um, enter the promised land in that area of your mind and of your life. So I was reading this um, in Revelation 12, which if you were here for the membership class, our One Life Seal is based on Revelation 12. And there we have some handouts over here if you want to go do a deep dive on what all of that means. But in Revelation 12, it talks about um, this woman that represents the bride of Christ. This is all symbolic and metaphorical, okay? But it represents the body of Christ, the church. So it represents all of us. We make up the church, each of us as um, people. So in Revelation 12, it talks, it says, she gave birth to a man child who is about to rule and shepherd every nation with an iron scepter refers to Jesus, and her son was caught up to God and to his throne. The, the woman fled to the wilderness. Okay, the woman represents us. She fled to the wilderness where God had already prepared a safe place for her. And there they nourished her for 1,260 days. Now, that's a lot of really deep metaphors there, okay? But that stood out to me last year that it was a safe place for her in the wilderness. Now, I'd always associated the wilderness with being kind of scary and dangerous and man, I could be taken out here, you know. But but I realized that God had already 
prepared ahead of time a place of safety for her, and he actually nourished her in the wilderness. So I realized I reframed that, that the wilderness wasn't a place that, you know, you're just living stupid and you're stuck in your old ways and you, you're, you're taking 40 years for what meant to be a, what is it, a 40-day journey. You know, it's not a place of condemnation. It's not a place of danger. It's actually a pre-provided way that God made to renew your mind so that when you're ready to step foot into your promised land, you're ready. You're prepared to rule and reign in your promised land. So I called this this little story I wrote the wilderness of safety. And I found it started off just me writing like I normally do, just talking to Papa. And that led to me sort of telling the story of the early days of my journey. But honestly, this, like I said, it's still repeating. So I'm still here. I'm still doing this. So I'm going to read it over you today. And I hope that you will hear um, about the grace of God and how safe it really is and how much he has pre-provided you to do what she talked about today. So I wrote, Papa, come and take these restraints, these self-imposed barriers to your way. Forgive me, I did not know what I was building when I put them in place. Let your glory flow. Let your glory flow in freedom in this place. Come and rush like a wind across these plains. Come and flood me once again with your love. Let no barrier, no walls or borders I've made restrict your flow. This has got to be the cry of your heart. This is all you do is cry out to him in this way, and he will lead you to the next thing, to the Dr. Pepper, to the show, to the whatever. He will lead you. Come and enjoy the freedom you're owed. Flow, 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 flow. I release the tension of my hold. I exchange it today for the grasp of grace. May grace be the strength that holds all things in their place. May grace be the glue that holds my view, my thoughts, my emotions to all of your promises and truths. I cling to you, my vital necessity, but not out of my own strength. Even this is something that you gave. Even this you secured fully, thoroughly, in every way, connecting me forever to you. Grace be my grasp. Grace be my hold. Grace, grace, grace. Papa, I surrender my own strength. I surrender. I release the tension of holding myself in this place. I release the tight places into a new trust today. I surrender. I lay down my own strength. I fall fully into trust today. Renew my mind. Renew my thinking, my way of operating to this decision today. Renew me to walk fully in the gifts you gave. I came as an orphan with a mindset that didn't know, that couldn't grasp the concept of being so fully loved. I held on to you, held my hands out to receive all you gave when I entered your kingdom that day. I was grateful, so grateful, overcome with the extravagance on display. 
overcome with the depths, the heights, the breadth of your heavenly landscape. You said it was mine. You said I could take all I needed, drink and never be thirsty, receive into fullness. You lavished me with more than I could hold, with more than I could retain in the feeble mindset with which I came. But I had tasted and I had seen, and there was no way I was going to let these treasures be taken from me. So I tightened my grip. I decided there were muscles that needed to be built. I would give my all to live in this place, to live in the promises and gifts you gave. No one would overpower me or my grasp again. I would cling tightly to all of your promises, all of your gifts. I made this vow and off I went, determined to live the abundant life, your gift. In your mercy and wisdom, out of the depths of your love, you allowed me to do this, to take off on this run. You allowed me the journey, the experience of this attempt. You saw the flaws and the ways that would surely fail someday, but you were never threatened by the stumbling blocks you saw in my way. Oh, I can only imagine how many you lifted me over, how many you kept my toe from hitting. What a merciful, understanding, loving Father. You led me still, despite all my rigid rules and ways. You led me still, my strongholds of immaturity, no match for your grace. You steered me when I thought I was leading. You even let me believe that I was still choosing these paths, these streets of the journey. I look back amazed at your compassion, at your restraint. What humility you displayed, allowing me to play God while I sang your praises. You have this way, this miraculous way of steering the stubborn to just where they need to be. Despite my thinking, I'm in the lead, despite my thinking that all my grips and grasp were actually succeeding, you led me to your wilderness of safety. Your compassion once again displayed in not allowing me to continue believing that my own strength was making the way. You allowed me to see that they led me not to my destiny, but a wilderness journey a time spent wandering and wondering why things didn't seem to make sense. Where is the abundance? Where is the overflowing joy and contentment? What happened to that peace that's meant to surpass my reasoning? It seems I keep coming up short on these. I see them, but I can't reach them. What's happened to cause this wandering? The questions that you'd been waiting for longing for me to bring and sit at your feet. You made this place for me, a wilderness just outside of destiny, just outside a promised land, but filled with exactly, exactly the safety I'd need. Fire by night, cloud by day, you walked with me every step of the way. Little by little, you showed me the error of my ways, the places where my strengths were failing, flawed in their ability to keep the vow I made. How gracious and loving for a father to say, that won't reach the goal you've made. 
with mercy overflowing each and every day. In every high and lofty place, you showed me the fractures and fault lines that laid in wait, upholding me always along the way. Slowly, you pulled those rickety, self-made structures out of the way. You caught me and held me as I felt them collapse beneath me. My desperate grasping and panicky gasping was met with something I'd never known. A lightness, a cloud perhaps, somehow holding me. My flailing limbs were somehow not actually falling. Suspended in some kind of liquid love, I found myself breathing the oxygen of heaven, despite the definite impression of drowning. How could this be? How could this sustain me? For a moment, I found myself enjoying it. For a moment, I received its reality as it marked me with a personal history. Then reflex kicked in. Startled, I found my own footing again. I pulled myself upright and determined to find which steps to take to revisit this intriguing, bewildering experience. There's no way I'd refrain from exploring this place. I'd look high and low, retrace my steps, and find which combination worked best. Surely I could find a reasoning to explain this experience that somehow seemed like a gain. Over and over you took me here, right to the edge the place I'd fall but find myself floating, submerged in an unexplainable awakening. I want to read that line again because that's the moment you're going to find yourself in with each of these things. Over and over, you took me here right to the edge, the place I'd fall but find myself floating, submerged in an unexplainable awakening. No pattern or formula explained this journey. It wasn't something I ever saw coming. Soon, though, I began to sense opportunity in the periphery. It was never right ahead of me in my own reasoning or marching, but off to the side like something burning but not consuming. My agenda eventually began to bend and then bow with a reverence not of my own making. Now the gifts and promises I'd once tasted and determined to hoard, to hold with my orphan thinking, are suspended without effort all around me, held in this sea of grace, this liquid love affords me. Now I gasp when its oxygen of heaven somehow escapes me. Now I startle when I find myself standing in my own footing, my own strength and ability now becoming more of an enemy, one I take captive and submit to you daily for training, refining, renewing, and aligning. The wilderness is becoming more and more of a memory, your grace revealing a promised land before me. For such A time as this, I entered your kingdom. For such a time as this, you led me to your wilderness of safety. 
So, Papa, I just thank you for every heart in the room and every heart hearing this message today. I thank you that for such a time as this, they are hearing your invitation to enter the wilderness of safety. For such a time as this, the renewing of our minds is just as beautiful as the salvation experience. The renewing of our mind is just as beautiful as the salvation experience. It is literally being saved over and over again. So no matter how right we think we are, no matter how convinced our experience in life has made us that our way is the safest, will last the longest, will yield the best results, is just plain right, no matter, you will lead us to the wilderness of safety to renew each and every one of those over and over again. So, Papa, I thank you for illustrating the journey through these words today, and I pray that they would mark each person in a significant way and that each one of these words would spring back to life in them when they come up to that moment where they have a choice to maybe choose to ask the Holy Spirit, to ask you, Papa God, whether or not this is really you or if this was their own man-made way. I thank you for your grace that is flowing seemingly more in greater quantity than ever before on the planet Earth. I thank you that we are actually swimming in, submerged in your grace with every single step we take, with every breath we take, Grace, your supernatural ability to do what you've asked us to do, what you're leading us to do. We are swimming in it. We can't get away from it. We will never, ever be lacking in any quantity, your grace. So I thank you for this message today. I thank you for the personal work you're doing in each person's heart and mind. I thank you for the opening that they made today by choosing to surrender in worship today in a brand new way, to give you permission to enter in at a new depth, to give you permission to come into their life in a brand new way, in a new area. I thank you for every person at every moment that yielded something new to you today. And I bless their experience there. I bless their encounter with you. I bless their experience, and I release abundant joy in the process. So we thank you, Papa. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Holy Spirit. We love you so, so much. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life OK. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com.